Hello, everybody, and welcome back to A Minutes with Butte. I'm your host, Mike Galtieri, joined alongside Scott Mutrin. You know him, BCIMG sideline reporter, former quarterback for the Eagles. And, uh, and Scott, uh, BC, tough one, tough week right now. Tough, tough, tough finish to the season. Uh, BC falls to 7-5 and five as they lose 42-21. to 21. Syracuse doubles them up in a, a matchup, you know, that was, you know, a couple weeks ago you were thinking maybe both these teams would be ranked. Syracuse was ranked. BC had fallen out after losing to Florida State. Uh, but, uh, you know, in a lot of ways, this game, Scott, you know, I'd like to hear your thoughts. But uh, BC was really uh, dominating all, all three facets. Yeah, I think it was – I thought Florida State was the most disappointing loss of the year, and then I think this one kind of took the cake on, on that aspect because it being at home in senior day and a lot of impact players playing their last game at alumni, I think you expected a couple different turnouts than what happened. And uh, BC just didn't really play their, their A game. They obviously had some big injuries during the game when you lose White Ray and Zach Allen. And then AJ Dillon as well. Three of your, you know, top four players come out of the game in the in the first half. It's not to return. It's tough, but uh, but before then, you even you saw glimpses of it. BC got bit again by the turnover bug. This time it was Michael Walker that started things off. You see his nice drive where I thought they controlled the line of scrimmage and had a nice nice drive. Their first drive, miss a field goal, which I, I mean I don't even want to get into about the field goal kicking. And then, and then the second drive, they, they bounce back, though, and get a nice touchdown. But they only answer that with a busted coverage, and then Syracuse makes it 7 nothing. I mean 7-7. Seven, seven. And then BC turns the ball over and allows you know, Syracuse to jump ahead again, and they kind of lost that momentum, and it was, just, it was just a frustrating first half. And then when you look at the second half, BC comes out, they drive it a little bit, but they, they get Eric Dungy to turn the football over. They make it a 28-21 game. They get the ball back, and they have a chance to tie the game. It's 28-21, and then Anthony Brown throws an interception. Syracuse makes it 35-21, and after that, BC didn't really really get close after that. And throughout the game, there was just some uncharacteristic mistakes. I mean, the, the jumping off sides, that happened multiple times. The guys that were right in front of the ball and watching the ball just can't happen. On critical third and, or, and fourth and short, that's just – those are mental mistakes that you just can't overcome as a football team if you consistently make them. I'd like to get your, as a former quarterback, your thoughts on Anthony Brown, really, this game and, you know, down the stretch throughout this year. How, how do you grade him out? Well, the numbers show that, you know, he threw for three touchdowns, but, you know, he had a couple interceptions. Yep. I think the, the biggest challenge for Anthony going forward is to maintain a high level of consistency. And by that, I mean he has moments, whether it's, during games or games themselves that he has very good games where he, you know, completes those long shots down the field and really throws the ball with authority and and confidence. But there are times when he loses that and whether it's losing his mechanics or his field vision, I feel that he has times where he just lapses in whether it's good judgment or good technique and that really gets to him. I mean, he's 20 starts in now as a quarterback. He's you need to start seeing a level of consistency from that position because so much is dependent on that position for you to be successful as a football team. And he just needs to find a, be a little more consistent. He has the, the flash plays that he makes, but you just want to see him be able to make those great flash plays without a, you know, with avoiding making some of those, those interceptions and critical errors. 
and then making some big third down conversions when the team's behind the sticks. Like, really like to see him start converting some of those third and seven and longer plays where they're not high conversion rates, but he's able to, to like will his team to get some first downs and stay on the field. And it was tough to watch A.J. Dillon. A lot of limping in that first quarter. I'm not surprised he couldn't play the rest of the half. It just... What your take? It just seems since that Temple game, he really has un- been unable to shake uh, that high ankle sprain, Scott. Yeah, I think it's got to be really frustrating for him because you can see the competitor in him wants to be out there and wants to be out playing. But at some point, you just you realize that you're not helping your team. And I think he, he tried to put his foot down and and make a couple moves up the field. And I, I saw one in the first quarter where last year when he put his foot in the ground, he would have been upfield and, and been in the – the secondary at least if not through the secondary and he just, it just wasn't there he put his foot down and he just didn't get anything out of it and I think that was the beginning of, of the end in this game and it's got to be frustrating for him and his teammates because they had high expectations and to to not be able to be physically 100 percent it's extremely frustrating um, as a player because you know what you can do if you're there and to not be able to do it it's it's really where wears on you mentally and I'm sure you know, since that Temple game, it has really been a burden on him mentally. Hopefully, he went a couple weeks off before a bowl game. He can really rest up and get going there on that end. On the other end, BC's defense, Scott, I'd like to hear your your expertise on this. Was it BC's defense that was played poorly on Saturday? Was Eric Dungy um, just that good, really, for them that made them look bad? Which way do you fall in that perspective? Because well, it was not a good performance. Uh, at least stats-wise, for the BC defense. No, I mean, Syracuse had 95 plays on offense. They threw for 360, and, and, and had, they ran it for over 170 yards. So you can't really point to them holding them to any sort of yardage. I think the biggest frustration with that situation is Syracuse was 11 for 22 on, on third down. Can't have 50% conversion. And then you have to talk about the, the fourth-down fourth conversions that came via you know, via penalty or, you know, not being able to get off the field. Um, those are some frustrating things that are defensive-wise. They didn't do a very good job of getting to the, to the quarterback. I thought their their rush gaps and lanes weren't, didn't maintain that integrity and allowed Eric Dungey to get outside the pocket, which he does his, which he does his biggest damage is outside the pocket in that area. And their inability to kind of keep him in that pocket and get some good solid shots on him um, – was the difference in that game. Now, that being said, Eric Dungy had a tremendous game. He was – you see the plays that he made, whether it's the the second down snap in the third quarter where the ball goes over his head and he's down in his own one-yard line, and he makes a savvy enough play to throw the ball away to avoid any negative loss and no penalty, and then they come and convert that series to, to score a touchdown – and then you see the, the other play where he's basically falling down and makes and throws it down the middle of the field and his receiver comes all the way back to catch it in the, four, in the third quarter. Those plays are just, you know, savvy veteran leadership plays. Him using the cadence as a weapon to take BC's defense and put him on their heels is just another example of his leadership. I really think that Syracuse team takes on a lot of his personality and when they didn't have him versus Notre Dame, that hurt them a lot because – they really rely on him not just for his physical ability, but his swagger. And you could see that. I mean, he got an unsportsmanlike conduct penalty. That team really feels confident with him in the game. And BC just not did not just do a good enough job of containing him in the run game and then getting enough shots in him 
in the passing game and, and just not being tight enough in some of those coverage and allowing them some easy throws and some big plays. So it, it's a little combination to both. You hate to, you hate to kind of use that as a cop-out, but I really feel that uh, they didn't really execute the game plan in which they wanted to against Eric Dungy. And then he just made some really, really good plays on his own where, where he just kind of stood above and above the rest. And you kind of see the difference in your team when you have a quarterback that's making, making plays at a high level, getting yards and getting touchdowns. I mean, when you account for six touchdowns, that's a special game. But then to, to throw that on top of the savvy plays that he made to not take negative plays, or as I like to talk about a lot, is not making a bad play worse. Sometimes... You know, you get a bad snap. Sometimes you, someone's not in the right spot, but that doesn't mean you try to force it or do something. And he did a good job of just kind of either throwing the ball away or throwing it in spots where nothing worse is going to happen, you know, whether it's an incompletion or not. So, that, you know, and look at, just look at perspective from Syracuse. They're a good team. That's a, you know, that's a team that's going to do some damage, uh, I think, in the bowl game, wherever they do end yeah. up. I thought their offensive line and defensive line played played very well. I mean, at times you see because you, you really you didn't have a lot of Zach Allen and Wyatt Ray for most of that game, and you saw you know some of the BC's youth in those in that aspect. But their both uh, their offensive and defensive lines, I thought, did a good job of controlling the line of scrimmage. And all year long, Syracuse has been a great defense on third down, and they're they're good at rushing the quarterback. The problem is when BC gets behind and they knew that they had to throw the ball and you only get 26 rushing attempts for BC and you got to throw it 36 times, that's usually not a BC recipe for success. So when Syracuse knew that BC had to throw it, that really kind of played into their hands in the defensive line. Okay, well, let's look at a macro level. Scott, uh, just last couple of minutes here. BC was 7-2, and two, lose three straight in a row, 7-5 and five now. You saw coach. You talked to Coach Dazi after the game. Just give us a, a peek into the locker room, or the, what's the spirits of the team, and how do you view this season? Well, I, I I assume that they're all disappointed because I think a lot of the senior class had aspirations of having a big season. They they came in and they were three and nine their their freshman year, and they they built something. And you got guys on both sides of the ball that are impact players that are going to have careers in the NFL that are talented players, you may see some first-day guys get called there on that team. And they had expectations when, when Zach Allen came back and speaking to them earlier in the year that they wanted to do something special. And even A.J. Dillon said that as well. And, and I think that they view 7-5 and five as disappointing. I know they're happy to go to a bowl game, but I feel that they, they left some plays on, that, on the field throughout the year. They probably regret some of you know, how they came out against Purdue the beginning of the North Carolina State game. The Florida State game is definitely a game that's, that's going to eat at them. And then, you know, losing Anthony Brown early in that Clemson game didn't help. I think they had some injuries at some inopportune times. And it's tough at a place at BC to replace your quality, you know, NFL draft guys with guys at that caliber at a young age. Usually they have to build up to it. So um, I, I definitely think they're going to come out, and it's going to be interesting to see because of the, the promise of these guys and what they have ahead of them in their future careers. If some of these guys end up skipping the bowl game to get ready for the NFL, which you can't blame them one bit for, because you know it's their their football future and the football life is a short, finite life. So if you can't really, as a BC fan or as a you know a BC supporter, really fault these guys for trying to you know better themselves, but. You just don't you don't know what you're going to see in this bowl game. Hopefully they all play. I'd love to have them play, but totally understand the guys if they have a lot of money on the line that if they choose not to. 
Yeah, thir- just to go back to your point, 13 all-ACC players for uh, Boston College. So, um, Yeah, but they were up there. I mean, Clemson was – Clemson. I think believe Clemson was one with everybody that was out there, and I think BC or North Carolina State was second. Yep. And you have that many players that are highly rated throughout and highly thought throughout the conference. I think a lot of people would have expected them to have a better record than, than seven and five. And I think they would be the first ones to admit it themselves. Yep, no question about it. What's your take on Coach Adazio? A lot of fans not happy with the way the season ended. Obviously, he still has a couple of years left on his deal. What's your just your general take with there that situation? Well, I, I I think like just talking to him at the end of the game, I think he was a little frustrated with how how the season ended. I think he felt that uh, they let a couple games get away, especially the last two, and that you didn't get to see his full team. I think that that's the thing that he was most frustrated about is that you know you didn't get to see the full team against Clemson. You haven't really seen the full team since the Temple game because you haven't had a healthy A.J. Dillon since then. That I think that that was a bigger source of frustration. I know a lot of people in the stands and, and alums are, are frustrated with it, with another seven-win season. But you got to remember kind of where they came back from and what they're building towards. I think you know he's got a good recruiting class come in. There's some depth. It's gonna it's gonna be interesting to see what happens in the bowl game. Usually, when you know most decisions are kind of made right after the regular season. So I think he's the program has done well. He's in a good spot with the, the indoor facility and with the recruiting classes coming in. So I think next year when you have a third-year starting quarterback coming back and a healthy A.J. Dillon, there are going to be high expectations on this team, and he's going to be expected um, not only to compete but to win. And, you know, the way things line up next year in, in their conference, besides Clemson, and, you know, maybe Florida State gets a little, a little boost after this year, but they're still – going to be positioned well. They do lose some guys, some talented guys on both sides of the football, but I believe based on the guys that are coming in to what either replace them or additions with the experience to uh, skill guys that you have coming back, that the expectations are going to be even higher next year. So it's going to be very interesting to see um, how this plays out in the next couple months and then in the in next season. Yeah, and I think one thing on that, I don't know if fans realize if you, you do change coaches at this point, how that really sets back a team and a program, especially a program like uh, Boston College, three or four years, or maybe two to three years, I would say. Um, and so I don't know what you really accomplish at this point coming off a seven-win season. As you mentioned, Scott, before, we've seen a lot worse. Two and ten, Frank Spaziani. So I know it's frustrating to know progression, uh, but there have been worse situations with 13 all-ACC players uh, in that way. So I think fans need to, kind of, in a way, almost take a step, a breather and take a step back in that regard? Well, I think they've gotten to the point where they, you know, you understand it. I'm not only as a former player and and working and calling the games, I'm a fan as well. And and I had high expectations too. I I saw this as a 10-win team. So there's definitely frustration. No question, yeah. And at at my end as well, just personally. But you, you look at certain things and it's like, if you get seven, everyone wants eight. If you want eight, everyone wants nine. And that's the nature of this business is that people want, you know, when they see some, and taste some sort of success, they always want more. And that's what they should because with, you know, high promise and high, you know, ability comes those expectations. And, and they, and I think a lot of people really felt that this was a, a year that this team, you know, could have made a nice run based on how, how the schedule laid out. And it, it's always easy to say reload and, and to do that, but, 
when you do that, you forget all the recruits you lose, and then you forget about all the guys that end up leaving because they're not part of this coach's transition. So that does send you back a little bit, and then all of a sudden you're you're back to way. Why are we back not going to bowl games, and why are we only winning three to four games? And so, you know, I understand both sides of it, and it's never an easy decision decision to make, and it it's tough as you know as coaches and 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 as players to go through that stuff because you know they they hear it, they're not deaf. There's so much noise with you know twitter instagram you know facebook tv everything that's out there it's uh it's tough not to hear the noise but you know you've seen coach dazio out on the road recruiting and getting you know visiting some of their recruits and commits so you got signing period coming up here in december and you know we'll see some of these guys that are coming in and and some of the hope for the future in in the bowl practice and then even in the bowl game you're going to see some of these guys that are going to play that are going to be the future for BC next year, and then you'll, you'll kind of get a good idea of where the expectation should be for, for 2019. All right. Do you have a favorite bowl destination you want to, you're hoping for? You're checking out? I'm selfish. I like, I like warm and I like close. So anywhere that's, that's somewhat – I can sacrifice close uh, to – I can sacrifice warm for closer – because, you know, as a young family, I have a young family. I, I don't want to miss any Christmas time or any time around the holidays for that. So if they're closer to, like, the 31st, as long as it's um, any closer to home, then I don't miss any time with them over the holidays. That'd be awesome. But, uh, you know, no no ton of preference. They're all good They're all good spots out there. I was hoping for Orlando, but I don't think Orlando's going to happen for with the seven wins. Maybe, yeah. maybe Nashville or maybe uh, Annapolis would be great because they're close and they're easy flights. But... You know, hearing a lot of you know El Paso is still in the mix and and maybe Shreveport, but we shall find out. At least El Paso is December thirty first, so at least, you know that's a little further out from Christmas. You you, you hate those December twenty sixth at twelve noon games, you know, or the twenty seventh. Exactly, exactly. We, I explained that. Explaining leaving Chris, on Christmas Day to my wife is not going to go well. I may have to call you up to have you do it. <laughs> And please, you're right. I was down there with you at the Pinstripe Bowl last year. I'd be happy if we don't go to the Pinstripe Bowl for another 20 years. Honestly, it was so so cold, so cold. Um, it, it, it was just too cold the second time. So yeah, as long as it's got two degrees, I'm I'm fine. That's a great spot. It's a location's primo. You can't beat it. It's true. It, it was awesome. The only thing that stunk was the weather and, and me not thawing out for two more days after the game. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. It was, I'm happy going there in the summer for a baseball game. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. All right, Scott. Well, thanks again for joining us. Let's catch up uh, maybe right before the bowl game as well. Sounds great, Mike.